Turn now to the reading of God's Word. We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. Again, that's Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. So we read this passage about the, the servant of the Lord, be keeping in mind that this is about Jesus Christ, his character and his work as he came to save his people. Let's start then in verse 1. Behold my servant whom I, am, I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint. Or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Amen. Our sermon this morning comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. That's Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Have you ever had someone ask you what a typical day looks like for you? It says, you know, in your job, what, what does a normal day look like for you? What do you do in your day? Or even at home, what does a day in your house kind of look like? Now, some of us have consistent schedules. So that's really an easy answer. I do this, I do that, or that. Or you know what? I don't really have a schedule, but my day is pretty much the same. Some of us, though, 
No two days are the same. And those kinds of questions, what's your typical day look like, they're really hard to answer. Well, we can actually ask that same kind of question about Jesus. What did a typical day look like for Jesus? We actually see part of the answer here in our passage. You may not have realized it, but Mark is showing us a day in the life of Jesus. Verses 21 to 38, that's all one 24-hour period. So that means what we saw last week and what we'll see today are all part of one of the first days of Jesus' public ministry. Mark's a short book. Spends a lot of time here on just one day of Jesus' ministry. And Mark does this because he wants to teach us what Jesus came to do. This day is really a snapshot of all of Jesus' public ministry. And we see Jesus proclaiming that the kingdom has come, that God's righteous rule on earth has begun. That really leads us to our main idea. The main idea is that Jesus the King continues his ministry of the kingdom of God. Again, it's Jesus the King who continues his ministry of the kingdom of God. We see that this morning in two basic points. We'll see first that the kingdom comes in Jesus' work. See that in verse 34. And second, we see that the kingdom comes in Jesus' words in verses 35 to 39. So first we see the kingdom of God comes in Jesus' work. Verse 29 picks up the story right after Jesus' dramatic visit to the synagogue. Do you remember? The people were amazed by Jesus' authority to teach and to cast out demons. And Jesus goes from that very public setting with lots of people now to a private house to the house of Simon and Andrew, and only a few people, immediate family, seem to be there. But Jesus is still working, and we see his work clearly as Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. Look at verses 30 to 31. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came, and he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Jesus here shows his power to heal sickness. No doctor today, no matter how good, could ever do what Jesus did. I mean, if you had a fever, a doctor might tell you, you know, take some ibuprofen, go to bed, call me in the morning. Not Jesus. No, he instantly took this woman's fever away and restored her to full health. You know when you've been sick with a fever? You know when the fever breaks and you're, you're finally starting to feel better, but you still feel really weak? That doesn't happen here. Simon's mother-in-law is immediately fully recovered and serves Jesus and his disciples. This healing shows Jesus' power. And it also shows Jesus' compassion. Jesus cares deeply about our suffering. Sickness is another kind of suffering caused by the fall, whether it's fever or cancer or anything in between. Sickness is suffering. And we see Jesus here as the one who cares and acts to take away this 
woman's suffering. We'll see in the next passage, actually, that Jesus is moved with pity. That's the word. Moved with pity when he sees a leper and he heals him. That's true in all of Jesus' work, that he is full of pity. He is full of compassion. That is true today. He is full of pity and compassion for you and me in our sickness and our suffering, too. Jesus has not changed since Mark chapter 1. Jesus' power and compassion in healing this woman are all clear in verses 32 to 34. Because it seems like everyone in Capernaum now who is sick or oppressed by demons is brought to Jesus. Actually, the, the whole town is gathered outside of Jesus' door. And what does he do? He heals them and he casts out many demons. Mark emphasizes Jesus' power. Jesus healed Many who were sick with various diseases. Notice that little detail, various diseases. Jesus' power is not limited to only a a few kinds of diseases. Maybe only a, a few things like a fever or even a few different kinds. No, he is able to heal anyone, no matter their condition. Jesus also shows his power here by casting out demons and silencing them. We saw more of that last week when we saw him confront that man in the synagogue. Here in verse 34, it says, Jesus would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Here Jesus is very firmly in control. Even powerful spirits like demons, which are ruining the lives of these people, must obey him. And he does not even let them speak. They cannot even say what they would like to say. They cannot identify him as the Christ because it is not time yet for him to be fully revealed. Even the demons must be on Jesus' timeline. Do you see Jesus' compassion here as well? He doesn't turn anyone away. Even when it gets late, The people are still there and he is still healing and he is still casting out demons. And he even deals with each person individually. Notice his compassion. See, Jesus, because he's powerful, he could have just spoken one word and everyone in the crowd would have been healed instantly or freed from their demon. But he doesn't do that. No, each person comes right up to him and he heals them one by one by one. Jesus' power and compassion are personal. They're individual. He cares about individual people. And he works directly in our lives. Now, as, as you read this passage, though, you might ask, well, that's true, but then why doesn't Jesus heal me? Or someone I love, why doesn't Jesus do this kind of thing for me? He has power. He cares. So why isn't he doing this? We have to say that Jesus can and does heal, even today in extraordinary ways. And we can pray that way, trusting him that he is the healer, while also, at the same time, submitting to his perfect will. But we also need to recognize that what we see in this passage and what Jesus was doing while on earth was unique. There was something special about it. He was bringing salvation by defeating sin and Satan. And that means his healings and his casting out of demons are part of that larger mission 
That mission, that work, is part of proclaiming the kingdom of God. Remember we saw that that is what Jesus does in verses 14 to 15. That is his message. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. Jesus' work is proclaiming that kingdom. We normally think of proclaiming like preaching, like what I'm doing now. Jesus did lots of preaching, but part of Jesus' mission is to show that message is true, to actually show that God's powerful rule on earth has begun in him. And the way that Jesus did that was by showing God's power at work in these miracles. We see the kingdom of God clearly when Jesus defeats demons. Jesus defeats Satan and his servants. When he does that, he is successfully destroying Satan's kingdom Piece by piece by piece. But we also see the kingdom of God clearly when Jesus heals diseases because sickness and disease are a result of sin. If I asked you why you got sick, you'd probably tell me all about germs, right? And that's true. We get sick, we have infections, but that's not the root cause of why you get sick. The root cause of all sickness and of all suffering in the world is the fall. It's when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and brought sin into the world. And sin destroys the world that God created. We feel that destruction in our own bodies, in our sickness and in our death. This is not the way that the world should be. That's not actually what the world will be. Because as God brings the kingdom, as Jesus is here proclaiming the kingdom, he is reversing the effects of sin in the world as he heals various diseases. He is actually beginning the work of restoring creation to what it should really be in the new heavens and the new earth. What Jesus does then, as he casts out demons and as he heals diseases, is part of his one work that is fulfilled at the cross. Yes, what Jesus does here is part of that same work that he's doing at the cross. Think about it. When Jesus dies and he is raised from the dead, those things are the death blow to Satan and to sin. God's kingdom is finally firmly established in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And you and I, even right now, we share in that victory of Jesus because we are brought into the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And we receive the gifts of the kingdom like eternal life. Every single one of those people that Jesus healed in Capernaum that day, they died. Every single one. Being healed is not enough. You know, it would be great if Jesus healed us of all our diseases right now. I would love that. But we have to see that what Jesus did on the cross for us is worth so much more. Let me put it this way. When you go to see a doctor, you're sitting in that examining room, he's asking you what's wrong with you. Do you just want your symptoms dealt with? Or do you actually want the root cause of your problem dealt with? See, when Jesus saves us, we actually get both. 
We get both because Jesus first deals with the root cause of our problem by dealing with our sin. And he deals with our sin completely and permanently. We stand forgiven. But Jesus also works on the effects of sin in our life. And he promises that he will permanently take away the effects of sin when he returns in power in his kingdom. That's when Satan and all the effects of sin, like sickness and suffering, will be permanently removed. Look at Revelation 20 and 21. Now, I want us to see this big picture. I want us to look forward to this because I want us to value what Jesus does here in these verses in Mark. Jesus heals and casts out demons because he has come with power and authority and with compassion and love to proclaim and to bring the kingdom of God to save sinners and to restore all of creation. What we see here is just the beginning, just the tip of the iceberg of Jesus' work of salvation. His work is amazing. His work is phenomenal, but Jesus also does some of the same work in proclaiming and bringing the kingdom of God through what he says as well. That's what we see secondly in verses 35 to 39, that the kingdom comes in Jesus' words. As you look at these verses here, you don't see Jesus preaching a sermon, so how do we see his words? Well, we do see Jesus' word priorities. We see Jesus in prayer. And we see him as he announces that preaching is his mission. So as Jesus speaks to his father in prayer, as he speaks to the people in preaching, he brings the kingdom of God. The first priority we see in Jesus' ministry is prayer. Jesus spent speaking to his father. That's what we see in verse 35. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Mark emphasizes that Jesus heads out to pray very early. Jesus' communion with his Father is so important that he willingly loses sleep. Think about it. This is also after a very late night of ministry. Shows us that Jesus' ministry is fueled by his relationship with his Father. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see that again. Right before he goes to the cross, what's he doing? He's praying. And he is praying intensely to do the Father's will, to be obedient even to the point of death on a cross. Jesus' prayers enabled him to die on the cross. And in fact, Jesus' prayers enabled him to do every part of his ministry from these healings onward. That really shows us the importance of prayer in Jesus' ministry, but the same is true for us. Prayer is absolutely foundational for our lives. It is foundational for your private life as you follow Christ. It is foundational for the life of this church. It is foundational for me in my own pastoral ministry because when we are in communion with God in prayer, we're relying on Him. We are trusting Him. We are asking Him to do what we could never do for ourselves And as we meet with him, we are also being shaped by him to do his work. Is prayer a top priority in your life? Is prayer a top priority 
in our life as a church. It was for Jesus. If prayer is not as big a priority as you think it should be, come and talk to me. Talk to me. We can talk about it. We can set things up. We can think about what you need to change in your life. But also talk to God. He is the one who will actually have the power to make you desire to talk to him. He will give you the power that comes through prayer to do his work. You and I cannot live, we cannot serve without communing with God in prayer. It's interesting that we immediately see the benefits of Jesus' prayer life in the next verses, in verses 36 to 37, because we see pressure. Change Jesus' mission. It might not at first look like pressure or temptation. And Simon and those who are with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. That, that sounds great. People are coming to find Jesus and say, There's a whole crowd waiting to hear you. But that is a subtle temptation for Jesus. The temptation is there. Who is Jesus going to follow right now? Is he going to let his disciples or the crowds shape his mission? Or is he going to continue to do the work of his father? Again, from the disciples' perspective, the fact that the crowds are looking for Jesus is a good thing. It's a great thing. Jesus, you have people who want to hear from you. They want you to keep doing your work. They saw what you did yesterday and they want more. But that's not what Jesus wants. What Jesus wants is faith, not fame, and not followers. And he knows that interest, excitement, and amazement do not equal faith. He knows very clearly that those crowds will one day turn against him, and men just like them will nail him to a cross. But even more than that, Jesus resists that temptation because he is steadfastly committed to the plan of his Father. That's why Jesus says in verse 7, 37, Let us go on. Let us go on to those next towns that I may preach there also. Listen carefully. For that is why I came out. Jesus' work now is done for the moment. He is taught. He's healed. He's cast out the demons. The kingdom of God has been proclaimed to the people there. And there are so many other people now who need to see and hear the good news. And that is Jesus' purpose, especially to preach the good news. That is why I came out. That is why my Father sent me, to preach the good news to those who need it. Now, the miracles are important. We've seen that. But Jesus' top priority in his ministry is preaching. To proclaim the truth of the gospel and to apply it to the lives of his listeners and to call for faith and repentance. Both miracles and preaching are part of what Jesus does as he proclaims the kingdom of God. We see both of them again in the summary of his ministry in verse 39. And he went through all Galilee. What was he doing? Preaching in their synagogues and he was casting out demons. But when Jesus preaches, he makes clear what those miracles mean. He proclaims who he is as the one who can do that. He proclaims the good news of salvation. All of what we see here in these verses is capturing for us the essence of Jesus' ministry. What a day in the life of Jesus. What What a snapshot, really, 
of the work of Jesus day by day by day in the three years of his ministry. What can we take away from this passage this morning? There's many things that I could say, but let me just suggest one main application for our life. We can be encouraged in our daily lives because we have the same Savior who is doing the same work today. We know Jesus is the same, right? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Bible teaches us. So that means he has the same power, the same compassion, and the same commitment. That is such an encouragement to you and me because we need Jesus. We need him desperately today. You and I need Jesus' compassion in our sin and suffering. We need his power to bring us to faith, to save us, and then to keep working in our lives and to change us. And we need Jesus to be fully committed to the entire plan of salvation every day of our lives or you and I are never getting to heaven. And the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of our Savior is that he is exactly who we need. At every moment of our lives, yesterday, today, and forever, this is the Savior who's doing his work in our lives. And the work that he's doing is the same work that he did back then. The details are different, right? I don't want you to miss this. Don't go looking for daily miracles, right? Those miracles were like signs pointing forward to the fullness of the kingdom. They were helping people understand what Jesus came to do in defeating sin and Satan. Now we have the fullness. Now we're on the other side of the cross. And Jesus now is doing an even greater work, actually, than what we see in this passage. Because he is taking his victory at the cross, and he is applying it. He is spreading the kingdom of God now, not just around Galilee, but to the far ends of the earth and to the deepest corners of your heart. When the gospel is faithfully proclaimed, Jesus is at work. He is doing his work of spreading the kingdom of God and defeating sin and Satan as the message is faithfully proclaimed. When someone comes to faith, it's one of the most amazing things in all of the world. When someone comes to faith, when that happens, Satan's power and sin's corruption are broken. They are broken in that person's life. Jesus is winning another victory. And when Jesus helps you as a believer to fight sin, to obey him, to read your Bible or to pray or to do anything else in the Christian life, Jesus is winning another battle in his war on sin and Satan. I know that none of those things that I just mentioned may look as dramatic or as flashy as healing someone of their disease or of driving out a demon, but they are Jesus powerfully at work to spread the kingdom of God. Be encouraged then. Jesus is the same Savior and he is doing the same work in our lives and in this church, Jesus today is powerfully establishing his kingdom. And you and I as individual believers, and you and I as Peninsula Reform Presbyterian Church, and you and I as just one tiny piece of the greater body of Christ, we are part of that work that Jesus is doing. 
Be encouraged about the greatness of his plan. Be encouraged by the greatness of his power. Be encouraged by the greatness of his compassion. He is working and you and I have the privilege, the great privilege of being not only his workmanship, but doing his work as well. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that we have a powerful Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that his work is perfect, his work is powerful, no one, and nothing can stand in his way. We see disease and Satan himself pushed away. We see him proclaiming the kingdom and people coming to faith. And Lord, we see him on the cross dying for our sins, finally breaking the power of sin and Satan over his people and then bringing us to faith. And Lord, we look forward even more to that day when he comes again in his power to bring his kingdom finally and fully and sin and Satan and all of his enemies will be defeated and judged and we'll be made perfect. Lord, we pray that you would give us those eyes to value his work in us today, to even be used by you uh, in, your, in your war against your enemies and our enemies. We thank you that we can trust you in all things and know that you will work out this plan of salvation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.